0: You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Before we get into the sermon, I have a word before the word. Um, and, and Sarah's talking about that the reason she sang that song, Beautiful Things, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that song. It's an older song. Um, came out when I was in high school. And, uh, but anyways, in, in the word that she was talking about, it just started making me think of the, the things that the Lord has done uh, here and in this house and the things that He's built. And what happens is oftentimes, if you've seen new construction, if you've seen a house under construction, brand new construction. When you look at that job site, it does not look like a nice place, right? You've got massive tire tracks and dirt everywhere and busted up wood and scrap pieces of of metal and, and materials and different things laying everywhere. And then they start cleaning it up and then the then they start putting stuff on the inside, but then you go on the inside. My brother, uh, my youngest brother, their first house was a new build, and so we got to kind of see that. And you walk into the new house, and it's, it's, uh, it's still not totally done, but there's, there's, there's pieces of drywall and mud and tape and wood and screws and nails on the floor, on the tile. There's, there's different things. It's a process, and you look at their backyard that's supposed to have, have grass eventually, and it's just a mud pit. Uh, with footprints and, and, and trash and all that kind of stuff, and you look at that, but at the end of the day, is it still not something new being built? And so oftentimes the word that I had as the Lord was talking, as the Lord, the Lord does not all the Lord is not a vending machine. He does not deliver to you a finished product because then he robs you of the process of him building something alongside you instead of completely without you. But oftentimes we would rather the Lord just do it without me and you just call me in when it's easy and convenient because we don't want to be a part of the building process. And I started thinking about uh, worship When, when we first got here. Sarah and I's first Sunday at Sundown Church, boyfriend and girlfriend, not even engaged yet. Our first time here with Kendall McDonald, Jay was in Africa, in Kenya on a mission trip. I think this was our first trip to Kenya. And we did worship through a CD recording and Randy singing along the CD. That was worship. That's that's and because that's all we had, right? That was our only option. Our worship we had one we had one a one member worship team and worship pastor, and he was gone. And now he can be gone, and we still have a full team up here leading us in worship. But if we are not willing to be a part of the process in construction and and allow Him to build it the way He needs to build it and trust in the process that it's not always going to look like the way I thought it would look, I didn't think it would take the Lord 10 years to build the worship team that He's built, but it took 10 years. It took longer than that. I'm just talking about in my experience. I've been exposed to sundown for 10 years. And just from that first Sunday 10 years ago, now. We're talking about a very different structure. This is a very different house than it was several years ago. And I say this again, the reason I've, I've got to start this morning with this, I'm giving you that example, is because I believe that there are some of us in here, if not all of us in here, that the Lord is trying to build. He is answering your prayer, but the prayer in which He is answering, He is building something with you and around you. He is not giving you a finished product. He is inviting you in to be a part of the process, is it released from heaven? When we ask, when the children of God ask for the Lord for provision for a need, is it not released right then and there? In its entirety, you need to understand that. But does that mean that I'm just going to show up and I'm just going to have this brand new house and I didn't have to have any part in it, any play in it, I just get to show up and dwell in it? No, that's not going to be it. The Lord will release it, but then He will build it alongside you. With You you are called a co-laborer with Christ. But what we do is we find ourselves in this building process with the Lord and we become critical of the things that we're seeing. We begin to criticize God because we criticize it up against a finished product. It's not a finished product. You are not a finished product. You are still in process. And if you are still in process, the things that the Lord is going to have you be a part of are going to still be in process. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have got to stop checking out as the Lord is releasing the provision that we've asked for and we check out and we become critical of the provision. Well, this isn't a finished thing, so I don't think this is going to work out very well. This isn't going to be good. Or we're going to have to do this or this is going to be a problem or I don't, Lord, you're not doing it the way I wish you would have done it or this isn't happening fast enough so I don't think it's working out. I'm just going to need to take the reins and just take over and do it myself. And we rob ourselves of the opportunity to build something with God. And instead what we choose to do is try to build something with myself and what will I build if I'm doing it within Parker. Parker has, without the Lord, only has the ability to create dead things. Because without the Lord, I am a dead thing. Only with the Lord am I alive. Only with the Lord do I have life. Because without Christ, without Christ I am nothing. And so, when we begin to take control of the process, we rob the opportunity to build something with the Lord and we will bring it to its knees, the thing that the Lord was trying to build with us. Does that make sense? We have to let the Lord build it. And you have to remove your preference of having a finished product the second you ask for the Lord for provision, because that is not what you're going to get. So, let me just save you the disappointment now. You're not getting a finished product you will get to be a part of building with the Lord something that will someday be a finished product. And maybe it's something that you will build with the Lord the rest of your life and you will never see the finished product. Again, I have a picture in, our, in my office of the first congregation of this church when it was not even in this building, when it was in that what is now a house just back here. I have a picture of these people, probably a hundred people, standing in the street with their old school cars. I mean, this was a long time ago. But these people believed in something and believed in establishing the presence of God in our community, and they do not get to see what this is today. But I'm telling you, we are standing on their shoulders because they, were, they chose to be a part of the process of building something with the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? You hear me? Wake up! We gotta go. We got things to do. Big things to talk about and you're a part of it, okay? You're a part of it. You're here, you're present, you're alive, you got breath in your lungs, so use that breath and open that mouth, okay? This is important for us to understand before we move on because the Lord desires for us to be in process with Him. He wants to build with you. We are not co-laborers by necessity because He's just like, if you don't do it with me, I can't do it. We get to be co-laborers with Christ because there is blessing for us unforeseen in the process. There is blessing to work alongside our Creator. What an opportunity. There is not a God in any religion where you get to join Him in His work. You submit as a slave. But in this, with the one true God, we get to join alongside Him in establishing His kingdom. What an honor, right? Don't criticize the process and don't check out of the process. I don't know who that was for this morning, but that needed to be shared before we got into the service. Amen? Amen. Children's Church. Jay and Carrie are traveling today to Missouri, so just keep them in your prayers. As as they go up, they've been very busy. Uh, Jay and Carrie, if you don't know this, they also own companies. Each one of them owns their own company. Um, Jay owns an architecture firm here in Lubbock and uh, does a lot. He's built, They build a lot, and they are very, very busy. And then Carrie uh, runs a, like a graphic design, app development, something fancy that I don't understand company, and she's very, very busy. So they finally got some opportunity to go uh, see Carrie's family, so we're excited for them to go get some R&R up there. Uh, So just be praying for that time for them, that it's restful and encouraging. They come back renewed and and just ready for what the Lord has next. Um, And so with that, let's get started this morning. Last week, well, let me stop. Let's pray. Let's pray again. We've gotten one word in. Let's reset and keep going. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to just be led in worship uh, by those that you have called to be in these positions. Lord, we are so grateful for what you are building. We are so honored by what you are building here in this place. In Sundown Church and in Sundown, Texas, you are building great and beautiful things. You are making beautiful things. You only make beautiful things. And you don't need anything to make them. You can make them out of nothing. And Father God, we would ask, we ask that you would continue to make beautiful things in this place, in this community. And that You would continue to allow us to be a part of the process and the construction of these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Just an update on Darby. She's doing well. She's home. They got all the cancer out. They did have to cut a nerve, though, because it was wrapped around. So she's got some paralysis in her her face. So just be praying about that. Uh, But, you know, the beautiful thing is the Lord... they. I told you guys this a little bit. Um, just that she got a new job in the midst of finding out this diagnosis. So old insurance companies, like, hey, you got a new job. It's their deal. And then new insurance companies, like, oh, this was a pre existing condition. We're not doing it. Um, because insurance companies are notorious for being super helpful and there when you need them. And uh, so, anyways, the Lord just continues to blow blow everyone away with financial provision for them to see. I mean, in, in six hours, they had the funds they needed to pay for this surgery that she had on Friday. That is profound, church. That's amazing. You know how expensive it is to just walk inside of a hospital. I mean, it, I feel like I, I, I mean, I'm still paying for one of my kids. Like, I don't even own her all the way yet. The hospital still owns her. I'm just paying for her. I hadn't paid off that lease yet. Um, so it's ridiculous, it's, and, but the Lord provided, but He continued to provide. Financial provision kept coming in, kept coming in, kept coming in. And we're just sitting there thinking, this is what the Lord does. He provides for more than enough, but also what does He do? He provides for the needs. We talked about it last week. Before you know, you have them. They didn't think they were going to have to see a plastic surgeon to get this nerve repaired and get, get all that stuff fixed that they had to uh, mess up to get that tumor out. They didn't know this. But now they're looking at provision that has already been set up for the next stage in this process. Guys, this is the God that we serve. There is provision for you today. That's the message from last week, is it not? There is provision for today. And so I'm just so encouraged because no, we didn't want that to happen. Darby didn't want them to have to cut a nerve. Nobody did. That's not fun. Um, But it had to happen. Cancer's out. Praise God. Praise God. No radiation. Praise God no chemo. Praise God. I'll take that for one little nerve. Amen. And guess what? The Lord provided financially so that that one little nerve isn't going to be something that gets on her nerve, but (laughs) the Lord's going to fix it. That's my, that's, listen, I'm settling into something that I wasn't ready to settle into. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was just being 32 coming on 33. I don't know. But something heavy has started happening in my story, and it's where I cannot help but tell dad jokes. And my sense of humor is getting super, super lame. And I'm saying stuff, and I'm like near wetting myself in laughter, and everybody else is like, that was bad. Like, that was not good. And so just patience with me as I transition into full dad humor because that's apparently all I've got left in the tank. I'm just going to be lame and corny from here on out. It's time for me. I guess my kids are at an age where they can be embarrassed, and so it's time for me to blossom into my full, full self as a dad and just embarrass them as hard as I can. But anyway, so with that said, the Lord is doing profound and amazing things in that, so just continue to pray for them. Thank you for your obedience and, and, uh, and giving and praying for them. If you, if you feel led to do anything else, Please feel free. They are welcoming anything and everything, words from the Lord, knowledge, uh, words of encouragement, anything you want to give. And then the next thing, this doesn't have anything to do with the sermon, but I just want to give you guys a heads up. We have been in the process for several years of upgrading the quality of sound in this sanctuary Um, that has been a task, and the first thing that we did was just to give this sanctuary a facelift. We did the carpet, we did the chairs, we expanded the stage, and it's been amazing. I've loved it. Having all this room up here has been wonderful. We didn't know why we needed all this room. It was really awkward at first because we had all this room, and it was just me and Jay on the stage, and that was it. We're like, this is a lot of weird, awkward, empty space. Um, But now we have this team of people, and we're nearly out of room, and I love it. Um, But another thing that we've been working on is treating the sound quality in this room. If you can just hear this, sounds like there's like a thousand tennis balls that just got hit at the same time in this room. It's because there's cinder blocks behind these walls. And so we have Steve and Jay and myself and Sarah and Zach and just so many people have uh, figured out a way to treat this room without spending... Like $200,000 to sound treat it, but we did it for $1,500 because that's the way we roll. Um, But so next week, you're going to see sound paneling on the wall, Uh, and it's going to add to the quality. We've got new speakers that we're going to get up, so the the music and the sound quality is going to get a lot, a lot better. Uh, So we are super excited about that, but when you come in next week, just be prepared for it to look a little different, right? It'll be all right. I remember when we first started talking about changing out the pews, there were several people that were just really upset with that change. Like, well, let's change the carpet, let's leave the pews. Come on, the pews, we got to have them. Uh, and Shorty, we were talking about this, just going back and forth about, about that, and he started telling me about, they were at a service at another, at another church, and he was sitting next to Danny Green, and uh, they were sitting in pews. And I don't know if you've sat in a pew lately, but they are as uncomfortable as advertised. And uh, Danny realized the chairs were a good idea. Yeah, the chairs were good because these are a little bit comfier. They cup you a little bit better. You can sit in there nice and cozy and enjoy the service. And so change is happening around here and this is just going to be another one, but it's going to be good. It's going to be for the benefit of all those that are coming in here. Going to give Steve some more control over our sound and just give us a lot more freedom to continue to build as the Lord has... A desire to build in this house, amen. So, anyways, that's a side note, but just be ready for that. I'm excited about that. Uh, It'll be the last project I think that Chris VanderToon will get to help out with before they're gone, and so excited for that opportunity. So, it'll look a little different next Sunday. With that being said, back to understanding that the Lord is the provider. This is what we talked about last week. We talked about we've been talking over the last two names. Or last two weeks, two names that the Lord has that have been profound for this season that the Lord needs us to understand that this is who He is. His names are identity statements of who He is and not just who He is in general, but who He is to us. The first one we talked about was El Shaddai. We need to understand that we have been brought into a family We have been adopted into this culture, this Hebrew culture, and they have have names and phrases. It's important for us to understand because if we don't know these things, like His name being El Shaddai, we miss out on an aspect of who God is. El Shaddai, the first one that we talked about, He is more than enough. How wonderful is that, to serve a God who is more than enough? That anything that you could think of, any need that you would ever have, all you have to do is ask because He is more than enough to meet it. He is more than enough to provide for it. And He is more than enough to lead this community of sundown Texas into beautiful days. Amen? And then the one we talked about last week is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord, our provider. We talked about it last week, but as I was writing this out this week, the Lord, our provider. I love the Jehovah Jireh as he introduces himself. He introduced himself with this name. He says, I am Jehovah Jireh. And what he does is he gives us this opportunity to take possession of who he is. Because the Lord is whose provider? The Lord is Our provider. He literally says that I am your provider. That is my name. That is who I am, is your provider. It's time for, there are a lot of us in here, myself included, that need to take a hold of that statement that He is my provider, period. He is mine. I can take ownership of that reality. I can take ownership of this Lord of mine, this God, that He is our provider, church. Do we believe this? Do we believe that there is provision for every day of my life as I remain in His will? Do we believe this? As I walk in obedience to Him each and every day, there is provision that has been established before I took my first breath. Before I drew my first breath on this earth, there was provision for tomorrow already established. There was provision for today already established. And if I say yes to His will, yes to what He's doing, and I choose to walk with Him, I will have eyes to see and ears to hear the provision that is for me today. There's provision for you in this day. There was provision for you yesterday. I hope you saw it. And there's provision for you tomorrow. We know that the person who lives believing this Believing that there is provision for each and every day. That every need will be met. That the Lord will take care of them, guide them, and direct them. When a person believes this, what you will find is an incredibly joyful person. An incredibly joyful person. We talked about this last week. We talked about this reality of uh, that when you were younger and you were living paycheck to paycheck, and maybe people still are, I, sometimes we still are. Just because life happens. But when that paycheck comes in, what's the first thing that you feel? You feel relief. Because now you can see that there is provision for the things ahead. Now live with that each and every day. Because the God who is literally called the provider, your provider, has established provision in this day. And if you just trust in that, trust in God to be who He is and who He has said that He is, because no one said, hey, will you be our provider? The Lord claimed it before we could ask for it. He said, I will be your provider. Before anybody asked Him to be their provider, He said, I will be your provider. Understand that this is powerful, that this is something that He yearns and longs to do. But when we recognize this, we find ourselves being more joyful, more kind. We find ourselves looking outward at the needs of others instead of inward trying to solve the stuff that we're in trying to problem solve our issues, trying to figure out why we're doing this, why I'm feeling this way, why these things aren't working out the way I wanted to. We get, when we get inward, we miss everything going on around us. We're so inwardly focused. And when you are inwardly focused, you cannot see the fingerprints of God's moving in your story. You will never see. You will always miss God if you are looking at yourself. Every single time. But when you trust God to be who God is, it allows you to be who you are in Him who He's created you to be, you are able to step into the fullness of who God has called you to be. And that is a joyful person. That is a kind person. That is one who looks to the needs of others and not their own. Amen? 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 Come on, that's not the one for you to be quiet on. When I say we're going to look to the needs of others and not our own, you don't be like, Amen, I guess. I need some, I need some fervency. I need some zest. Okay? Let's go. All right? That's what I'm talking about. Let's go. All right, we're going. You know I did it last week. I'll come down there. Okay? I'll come down there. I can get louder too. When someone new walks into this building, church, will they see a people of joy? Will they see a people of joy? And not just a people who choose joy every now and then, but a people who are overflowing with joy. Is that what they will see? Will they come in burdened and heavy and in turmoil? And will they walk in and feel it fall away as joy shines upon them? Think of joy as the sun. You you cannot go out and not be affected when exposed to it. This is joy. Will somebody come in and feel as though the sun that lights up the world is shining on them and them alone? That's what they're to feel when they come in this place. Will we be these people? Will they see a people whose trust is not in themselves, but in Him? Trusting completely in His provision for that day. Because again, He is making His appeal through us, church. And He is Jehovah Jireh. He is provider. And He wants the world around us to know that this is who He is. That He is their provider as well. But if I don't trust Him to be my provider, how can they see Him being a provider in me? That won't make any sense. We we are a people, we live in a world where leading by action is not a necessity. Leading by action is honestly not even, like, eh. Most leaders do not lead by example anymore, unfortunately. They lead by their words and not by their actions. But we know the Lord to be a God of action, amen? Amen. And if He is a God of action, we are to be a people of action. We are to be a people of action that when they look at us, not by our words, but by our deeds, they will see who we belong to and who we claim. When they look at us, do they see joy? When they look at us, do they see worry and turmoil and doubt and fear? What do they see? Do they see Jehovah Jireh having all of my trust? that He will be my provider and I, I stand on that and I will not be moved from that. Is that what they see in me? Because He is making His appeal through me. And I want them to know who God is in His entirety, not to see a manipulated, false version that I put on display because I don't trust Him. You hear what I'm saying, church? Are we putting Jehovah Jireh, the provider, on display? Are we allowing Him the opportunity to be who He is? Because when we do that, We allow ourselves to be who we are in Him. I cannot be who God has called me to be if I am not allowing God to be who He is in my story. You hear what I'm saying? We do that all the time though. We try to be who God has called us to be, but we reject who God is in us. That's not how that works. You have to receive who He is before you can be who you are. Amen? We need more of that, church. I cannot be who I'm called to be if I won't allow Him to be who He is and who He desires to be in my life. Our God is El Shaddai more than enough. Our God is Jehovah Jireh, the provider. So let's live in a place of confidence, church. Confidence that He will be who He is towards our city. Amen? We need a people in sundown Texas that believe that the best days of sundown Texas are not behind us, but before us. And that what it is right now is not what it will always be. Do you hear me? We need these people because right now all we have is leadership of people who don't think that this can be anything but what it is right now. It has been believed by everyone that this is as good as sundown will ever be. How boring is that? I'm not interested in that. That is so. Why would you want to live such a boring life? Eh, my city's decrepit. It's just going to fall away and fall apart. Eh. No, that doesn't work out well for anybody. Why would we so casually accept that belief? But that's what we've done. We have casually accepted that sundown will be nothing more. We have believed the lies of the enemy's camp and not the truth of the kingdom. We have said yes. We have signed our names to the contract that sundown there can be nothing great in sundown. Nothing better in sundown Texas. We have we we are a community of people who are actively believing in that story. And it will not stop until it stops in here. You hear me? It it must we must be the change. Amen. And the beautiful thing is is it's not hard. It's a lot easier. What did we talk about several weeks ago? It's a lot easier to live life with a lens of hope than a lens of hopelessness. My life is a lot more enjoyable when I look at it with hope instead of hopelessness. Amen? So let's continue to look at our city and hope. And let's have confidence that He will be who He is. He will be El Shaddai. He will be Jehovah Jireh. Not just towards us in this house, but towards sundown Texas in its entirety. Amen? Amen? Amen. Golly, guys, that's strike two. Strike three, I'm, I'm in your face, in your seat next to you. These notes come with me everywhere and I can preach sitting right next to you. I can do it. We can move that camera. It'll be easy for the live stream. Okay? Confidence that He has clothed you in power. This is another thing that I need you to hear this morning. This is probably the most important thing I need you to hear this morning, church. That He has clothed you. And power. We talked about this several months ago, but if you, Jesus, and we'll talk about this again, we'll read the scripture here in a little bit, but Jesus was led into the wilderness by who? The Spirit. Led into the wilderness by the Spirit and led out, it says, led out by the power of the Spirit of God. When we say yes to the Spirit's leading, you will be clothed in power. The power to make the change. The power to perform miracles. The power to establish the kingdom of heaven here on this earth in every place that you go. When you say yes to the Spirit's leading, you will be clothed in power. And church, I have a word this morning that is to empower you. It is to leave you empowered, leave, leave you refreshed, and also leave you incredibly focused on the tasks ahead. So I would ask you before we carry on, are you ready for such a word today? Because my my heart, church, has been drawn again uh, to the story of the Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel 37. We'll read it in just a second. If you want to begin to turn there now, we'll read it in just a little bit. But the, the Lord has us here In this passage several weeks ago, and just this this spontaneous moment, uh, as the Lord was just moving, I I left my sermon down there on the seats and I knew, and I didn't know any more but this, that we were supposed to read Ezekiel 37. We were supposed to read the Valley of Dry Bones. And the Lord just kind of wrote this word as I began to share several weeks ago. And He was reminding us of the blessings that are found in the valley. Blessings that can only be found in the valley. One of the most profound things that I heard, this came from Bill Johnson. Um, Bill Johnson is the, head pastor, the senior pastor at, at Bethel Church in Redding, California. It's a big church. They've, they've been responsible for a lot of culture-shifting, world-changing things. Um, and he recently lost his wife uh, to cancer, and she passed away. And his first sermon back was the week after which the, the, the obedience, that, that's, a, that's a different level of obedience, that there was a word I have to share. And that's profound. But anyways, what he said in the midst of this heartbreak is what he has encountered is there is a measure of the presence of God that can only be found in the valley, that cannot be experienced on the mountaintop. And I know that the valleys are hard and they're difficult, but there is so much more blessing than you could ever fathom in that place and it is only to be found in that place amen and we have the story of the valley of dry bones the lord has us in this place and in this place of the valley it's where churches where the lost are found they're not found on the mountaintop they're found in the valley and they're brought to the mountaintop Amen. But the lost are found in that place. The broken are restored in that place. And the dead are brought into newness of life in that place. The miraculous things of Jesus that we see and read in Scripture, the things that we've encountered, those things, the miraculous things exist in the valley. When someone comes to us, when Darby came to us and and we began to share her story of cancer, that wasn't a mountaintop kind of day. That was a valley day. And what did they experience in the valley? The financial provision and provision of God. They came home one day and their house was covered with scripture and prophecy and words of encouragement. Covered from ceiling to floor. That blessing is only found in the valley. Words now that they can stay anchored to for the rest of their lives because the Lord has prophesied things over their family, over Carrie, over Darby, over their girl Gracie. There is profound things that were only revealed in that place. Amen? It's important. It's an important place. But we oftentimes, we miss these blessings Because we stop trusting Him to be who He is in the valley. It's easy to trust God to be God the provider, to be God that is more than enough when life is easy to get through. So easy. I am my best Christian when everything's going my way. It's so easy to be a Christian and to follow God when everything is going my way. The second things stop going that way What's typically, stereotypically, the first question? Where are you? Where are you at? Have you left me? Where's the provision? Where's the answer? Where's where's the guidance and direction? I'll just figure it out myself because the Lord has abandoned me. We may not say those words, but that's the position that our heart takes. The second things get difficult. The Lord has left. And we miss out on His leading. We stop trusting Him to be who He is. But church, I have found and been introduced to Jehovah Jireh that He is my provider. El Shaddai, that He is more than enough. I encountered that not on the mountaintop. I encountered that in the valley church. Amen? That's where I experienced God to be that. When I experienced Him in that way, that when He says, I am more than enough, this is who I am, I experienced Him being more than enough in the valley, not on the mountaintop. Amen? I have provision on the mountaintop. I know He is the same. He is still El Shaddai on the mountaintop, but in the valley is where it was raw, and I was vulnerable, and I experienced that. Amen? This is who He is, church. We must stop This distrusting of Him when we find ourselves in the valley. Because when we do that, when we stop trusting Him, we take matters into our own hands and we try to escape the valley. That's where this mentality has come from. We've talked about this several times in here. This mentality of escape that exists in the church. We we talk more about and we look forward more to the coming of Christ and the taking us home to heaven than we do of the establishing of Christ in His kingdom today. But Christ didn't hang upon that cross and rise from the grave three days later, defeating death and bringing me into this family where I had access to the presence of God that it would fill me, that the Lord would literally call me His temple, His dwelling place, where I could establish the kingdom of heaven. He did not make a way for all of that to be for me to figure out a way to get off this earth as fast as possible and get to heaven. Uh Uh-uh. He did it because He was tired of waiting for us to get to heaven. Let's just bring heaven to you. We can establish it here and now today. Heaven doesn't have to wait. It can be established in this moment. In every moment where there is breath in your lungs, you can establish the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen. We must recognize this. We must stop checking into this place of escape because we try to escape the valley. And it's a natural thing. Because to the world, the world that we live in, the world that we're surrounded by, the valley is is a bad place. But again, to the kingdom, this is a kingdom paradigm, church. To the kingdom of heaven, there is great blessing. Amen? I've experienced the goodness of God in the valley. And He is so good and His goodness pursues us all the days of our lives. Amen? Amen. Well, let's look at Ezekiel 37. Because church, there's also great power in waiting for those who are willing to be led by the Spirit in and through the valley. There is, there is great power in this. I forgot, I've got notes on my phone I've got to read as well. Ezekiel 37. Verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and the skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied. As he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves. the Lord brought me back to this passage. It's because He spoke to Ezekiel. Ezekiel took what he heard from the Lord and then he spoke it over these dry bones. He took what the Lord had promised to do and He spoke it over those He he said He would do it for. He took the promise of raising the dry bones and what did He do? He didn't just say, cool, and sit at home and sit there waiting for the dry bones to rise up. He spoke what the Lord had promised over them. Do you hear what I'm saying? He spoke it. He took action. He took ownership. And He spoke it in obedience. And I'm wondering, church, are we speaking these things over sundown Texas? Because right now we find ourselves in a valley of dry bones. That is absolutely where we find ourselves. And I'm grateful that we find ourselves in this place and in a community of dry bones because I know that there's a story where the Lord raised a valley of dry bones and made an exceedingly great army. And imagine, church, imagine the stories of this house and what the Lord has done through the few that have gathered here over the years. Think of the healings, the miracles, the provision, the things that we have seen God do. He is still giving us vision for expansion, for building, for doing new and, and, and scary things in obedience to Him. He's giving us vision. Why is that? Because He has every intent of raising a valley of dry bones. And now imagine just the few of us in here if we're joined by all those that call Sundown, Texas their home. That's an exceedingly great army church. Because this small group of people in Sundown, Texas has absolutely transformed the world. I'm telling you right now, Sundown Church has global impacts. I've seen them. I've seen the impacts of this house across the the globe. I am only here because of the people that this house has sent out. You need to understand that. If this house did not send out Kindle, I'm not here. That one person would mentor in another place your future pastor. It's profound, church, what the Lord has done through this house and the plans that He has for this house, the things He desires to do through this house. But we must take ownership of what He has spoken over this city and we must speak it into existence. What we've done is we've said, yes, Lord, we received this, we are in agreement with it, and then we've sat down and we've waited for the Lord to do it. We have stopped speaking these things into existence. You are a child of God. You are royalty to the kingdom of heaven. Just as Jesus was, is. And when He spoke, things happened. Is that same spirit that Jesus carried, is it alive in you? If it is, then you have the same authority to command of this world, the kingdom of heaven, and watch it be transformed. But it is time for us to take ownership of this reality, that we are to speak to sundown, Texas, O valley of dry bones. Rise up. To speak over sundown, rise up. To pray that the Lord would fill their lungs with the breath of life from all four directions, that it would come in from all four. You know what's so funny about this too? There's only four ways to get to sundown. Isn't that right? You only got four access points into this city. I'm telling you, there's some similarities to this. And I didn't this is not you know I'm not a I'm not that creative to just read a passage and be like, I can make a sermon out of this. I'm not that that's not me. The Lord pretty much has to paint the picture with connect the dots because that's about my level. I've got I've to have, have it that much laid out. But we are meant to be speaking this over sundown, commanding their dry bones to rise and come alive. We are meant to do it. Amen? And I've had this question on my mind, or this it's, it's a question and a response, but just this thought on my mind for several weeks. How many of us are waiting on heaven? to move when heaven is simply in reality waiting on us. Heaven did not lead Jesus. Jesus led heaven. Heaven is waiting for the children of God to say yes and take up that which the Lord has spoken for them to take up. But we wait on heaven to take the lead. That's not it. How can a kingdom lead itself if the people set over that kingdom are unwilling to lead it. You are the royalty. You are co-heirs with Christ. You are the leadership of heaven filled with the Spirit of heaven, the breath of life. If you don't lead, it doesn't move. You are the hands and feet. And what can a person do if they don't have hands and feet? Not much. You are the hands and feet to the kingdom of heaven But we, for so long, the Christian people, Christians all over the world, for too long, have been sitting still, sitting stagnant, waiting on heaven. But in reality, heaven was waiting on them. What truth, church, has He spoken to you that you have yet to pick up as your own? What truth has He spoken? What truth has He laid at your feet? that you have yet to pick up, you're just waiting on it to magically appear in your hands and lead you into the places you're meant to go. That's not going to happen. Take it up and move forward. Amen? What did the Lord say all those years ago when when this whole transition started for this house? What did He say? He brought us to the passage of the Israelites fleeing Egypt. And what did He say? What was His one command to His people as this army is chasing them to destroy them? Move forward. Move forward. Because when we move forward, we walk into provision. We step into the fullness of all that God has for us. When we stand still and we do it, we do it with the best intentions. I don't know how many conversations I've had with Christians that just so, so eagerly desire to do the will of God, but they're just not quite sure what that looks like in a particular season, so they stand still waiting for clarity. But sometimes, a lot of times, church, the, the Lord just wants to see that your heart is in a position of yes to Him and what He has for you, and He just wants to see you start moving, taking steps of faith. Because right now, I don't know if you know this, but I'm sure you do, it is a lot easier for the Lord to mold a heart that says yes to Him but might have misheard Him than it is for Him to mold a heart that says no, period. Period. He wants a heart that says, yes, if you make a mistake, praise God, because He's going to mold you and you're going to understand Him deeper. It's okay. We have got to stop waiting for Him to pick us up and put us where we need to be. He has already placed you where you're supposed to be. You are there right now. You have been placed, but you have not been placed here to stand still. You've been placed here to move forward. Amen? This is why we are here. You have been anointed to speak life over this community, to pick up the truth. What has he said? Let's just look at one. What has he said he desires to do in sundown, Texas? He desires to build the kingdom in such a way that this city looks more like the kingdom of heaven than it does a city and a state and a country. That it would be so uniquely the kingdom of God that it could not even be claimed by the earth any longer. Have you picked up that truth? Are you speaking it each and every day over sundown Texas? That this house, this place, this city will look more like the kingdom than it does anything else? Are you speaking that over the valley of dry bones that are waiting for you outside? That is just one truth that He has spoken over years and years and years of prophetic words and anointings that He has placed over this house and spoken to this house. That's just one of them. Are we speaking any of them? If you're not speaking any of them, start with that one. That's a good one. Start there, but we have got to be a people that are speaking these things over this community, speaking them to sundown Texas. Look at Matthew 13 or Matthew 3, sorry. Matthew 3 verse 13. It'll be on the screen. This is the baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, "I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me?" But Jesus answered him, "Let it be so." Now, "For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness." Then he, cons- then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately He went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to Him, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on Him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is My beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus didn't wait for the truth that He knew to pull Him into His destiny and purpose. His baptism was prophesied years years and years and years and years and years before He came. And that's what they're coming to at this moment. And Jesus knows the truth. He knows the truth. And he is taking it up and he is moving forward with it. It says, nothing, nothing carried him out of the water. Behold, he, he came out of the water. And he, he chose this truth. That's what I'm trying to say to you this morning: that he chose the truth that he knew. He didn't wait for it to pull him into destiny. He picked it up and he stepped into destiny, holding on to the truth that the Lord had spoken over him, holding on to the truth that the Lord had spoken about him. Jesus didn't wait for truth that he knew to pull him into destiny and purpose. He picked up the truth and he stepped to his purpose and he stepped into his destiny. Stop waiting, church. Stop waiting to be pulled into purpose by truth. It will not pull you into your purpose. That is your choice to step into purpose or not. I can tell you all the things. The Lord could sit here and prophesy over you all day long. Specifically words for you. But if you don't take up any of them, they will sit at your feet until you're ready to do so. Just because they've been spoken doesn't mean they can pull you into the places you need to be. I was the Lord spoke that I would be pastor over sundown, tex- over sundown Church. But what did it require? Me to receive it and step into it. I had to take an actionable step into it in churches. This is where we're at. We must take action and stepping into the truth that the Lord has spoken. And right now, all He's asking us to do, He's not asking you to do anything. He's not asking you to go out on the street corner, hold up any signs. He's not asking you to do anything crazy. He's just asking you, as He simply asked Ezekiel, to speak the truth that He's revealed to you over the people He's revealed it about. Speak it. Scream it. Claim it in your heart that this will be our reality. That when we come out of this valley, we will not be leaving it alone. But we will be leaving it with a mighty army. We will be leaving it with the entirety of this city. Can, you just, can we just get excited about that for a second? That we could come out of this season that we're in right now with the full city of sundown walking with us. An impossible dream. But why not here? The Lord is in the business of impossible things. So, why would this be any different? Why would this be the thing that He can't make happen? All He needs is His people to speak that which He has spoken to us. We must take it up and step into our destiny. Sundown church, if you you don't know right now what your purpose is, your purpose is Sundown. That's your purpose. If you don't know who your people are that the Lord has called you to minister to, those that are gathered here, those that exist in the city, your neighbors, your coworkers, the person in front of you at line at the store, they are your purpose. They are your destiny. You are existing in purpose and destiny. We live in a world that is desperately searching for purpose and destiny. We have so many. We have forty-five thousand different genders now. I don't know what's going on with that. I I don't know. That's a whole other thing that I don't understand. But when you look at it and what these kids are being exposed to and what they're trying to figure out, every one of them comes back to identity, purpose, understanding, trying to figure out who they are. But we have left them with no power and no ability to do so. We've locked them in a giant, empty, dark room and said, good luck figuring out who you are and what you're supposed to do. That stops when the people of God take up the truth that He's laid at their feet and step into the purpose and destiny that lies before them. You don't need some great revelation of what you're supposed to do. You are supposed to minister to the people around you and establish the kingdom of heaven in their stories, exposing them to El Shaddai, exposing them to Jehovah Jireh. That is your purpose. That is our destiny, church. As individuals and as a collective house, that is what we're meant to do. Now, will there be details found in that? Absolutely. But you can't find details in that if you're not willing to walk into the room where the details are held. You've got to step into this reality saying yes, that my purpose, my destiny are these people. Because also when we do that, you will begin to fight for this community. You will fight for these people. You will fight to establish something better in this city than has ever been. That will be your desire. One of the greatest examples of this is Andrea McAdams. That lady is a force of nature. And she will run you over if you're getting in the way of bettering Sundown, Texas. And I love it. Truck them. Like run the people over that are trying to put a stop to Sundown being better than it was yesterday. And she does it. And she does a beautiful job of it. Because you don't even feel like you got run over. You just feel like you got gently put to the side. She's, she's beautiful. She does it. She's a bulldozer with grace. It's profound. I don't know how she does it. But that woman believes that this is her city and it is hers to make better through the vision and guidance and direction from the Spirit of God. And she does it. And we're going to have a new library, a beautiful place for our kids to go and have interaction with, with not a screen, but with words and paper, stories and imagination. She is making it so that sundown will be better tomorrow than it was when she found it. It was that simple. She said yes. She said yes to purpose and destiny. She said yes to the assignment of being in this city. If you are in this city, it is your assignment. As a people of God, you have been assigned. Sundown, Texas. And then you know what she did? She just allowed the Lord to lead her into something she was passionate about. She found herself in this place, and the Lord gave her immense vision. Just when we just for a second recognize when we just simply say yes to God. And yes to what he's done. I don't need all the details right now. I just know that he's spoken truth over sundown, and it's mine to pick up and it's mine to speak over these people. When you do that, you will find all the details that you need. Just trust the Lord and continue to move forward. You will find yourself exactly where you need to be, exactly when you need to be there. But, church, it is time for us to understand that sundown is our purpose, it's people, it's culture, it is ours. And we must take up truth and step into this purpose. And we must, the first thing He has asked us to do, the thing He's asking us to do today is to speak over this valley of dry bones. To speak the things that He's spoken and revealed to you. He has revealed profound things. Has He not revealed profound things about this city and the things He wants to do? Profound things. He has given vision of people just driving past the city limit sign coming into sundown and being healed. Healed just by being in the presence of the people that dwell here. What a beautiful place. I want to live in that place. An oasis in the desert is what he said he is constructing in Sundown, Texas. That this will be an oasis. It will have fruit. It will have life. It will have a a freshness when it should not and where it should not. That is what an oasis is. It doesn't make sense. It shouldn't be where it is, but it is. That is what the Lord desires for sundown Texas. Can we be those that take that truth up, hold on to it, cling to it with everything we have, and step into our destiny and speak these things over the valley of dry bones that is waiting for you out that door? Can you speak as Ezekiel spoke in obedience to rise up, to be filled with newness of life, that when we Sundown church, walk out of here. We walk out of here with a city claimed for the kingdom of heaven and not with the same people that walked into the valley. Amen? But with more and more and more. I want this city to be more than what it is. I don't care about the flash. I don't care if we've got cool stores and stuff. I want this city to look like the kingdom of heaven. But the cool thing about the kingdom of heaven is that its streets are paved in gold. So sundown will probably be pretty cool. It'll be a fun place. Maybe not gold streets, but you know, cool. It'll be good. But the Lord has beautiful and wonderful things for this city because you are here in it. He did not lead you to sundown that you would leave it as you found it. Amen? This is a teaching that's lost. This is something that was standard in my house. If you... And most most men in here, all of you really in here will understand this. If you're borrowing something, how are you supposed to leave it? Better than you found it, right? Church, this city is not ours, it's His. But we've been placed in it. Will we leave it better than we found it? We can only do that when we speak the truth that He has spoken over it. His hands and feet speaking. Speaking and speaking and speaking and declaring over this city until it becomes our reality. Speaking over sundown that it will look more like the kingdom until we arrive at the day where it looks more like the kingdom. Speaking that every household will be filled with the Spirit of God and every person in this city that calls sundown home will know the Spirit of God and be led by the Spirit of God and I will speak it until it is so. Amen? Can that be us? Because that is what's required for tomorrow. You've got today to figure that out if you can step into that. But that is your purpose, that is your destiny, because tomorrow that is what's necessary. Can we be those people, church? Because I believe that we can be those people. I believe that every one of you is anointed to be that person, that you were placed on this earth for such a time as this, that sundown would look like the kingdom, and that the people of this city would form into a mighty army led by the Spirit of God. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.